I think the other, you know, kind of noteworthy data point from our survey was that we, you know, we always ask, are you currently hiring full-time or part-time employees? And that number for the first time really took a, a tick down. So it's only half, 50% on the dot, um, say they are currently hiring full-time, part-time employees. Welcome to Paychex Thrive, a business podcast where you'll hear timely insights to help you navigate marketplace dynamics and propel your business forward. Here's your host, Gene Marks. Hey, everybody, it's Gene Marks, and welcome back to another episode of the Paychecks Thrive podcast. Thank you so much for being with us and uh, watching us or listening to us, however you're getting this information. Um, We have back with us Joe Wall, a longtime friend of the podcast, who is a managing director of government affairs at Goldman Sachs. Joe also runs the, the the 10,000 small business program that Goldman Sachs has been doing for a number of years. It's an awesome, awesome program that has helped countless small business owners learn how to run businesses and get their feet on the ground and even grow their businesses as well. So Joe, first of all, uh, you know, thanks again for joining us. For those that don't know you or of you or of the 10,000 small business program, talk to us a little bit about what the program is all about. Sure, and thank you, Gene, for for having me on again. Uh, yeah, so just by way of background, ten thousand small businesses was launched uh, a little over thirteen years ago, and it is um, probably best described as uh, sort of like a mini MBA curriculum that is taught at community colleges across the country. It's about roughly a hundred hours. Uh, of coursework. So it's a big commitment for the business owners uh, and is taught over the course of a few months. And so it's it's a rather intensive curriculum. And the end goal, which I think um, just about every business owner I speak with finds you know hugely beneficial, is they have to come up with a growth plan for their business. So unlike when you go to business school and you're studying a McDonald's or an Under Armour, you you name the company uh, and you're analyzing them instead of analyzing another business, you're you're very introspective and in analyzing yourself. Uh, and so we. Um, Obviously, measure the businesses uh, after six months, after eighteen months, after thirty months, and you know we've seen really good success just in terms of job growth, revenue growth, and you know now we have you know thirteen years later about just over fourteen thousand businesses across all fifty states that have completed the program. We actually just launched uh, in the last couple of months a rural. Um, component to the program. And so we we launched in Bismarck, North Dakota a couple of uh, months ago. And we actually just launched in Arkansas this past Friday. Uh, but we'll be expanding in addition to those two states to about 18 other rural communities over the course of the next five years and investing, you know, roughly a hundred million um, of our program into those rural areas that uh, that are often underserved. Okay, so I'm, we're going to get to your press release in a minute because we are going to talk about small business environment. But I do, I, I got to make sure that I'm, I'm clear on some of the things about this program because it is, it's 13 years that you guys have been doing this. Goldman Sachs is an investment banking firm, and I think at Goldman Sachs, I think of you know, you know, you're 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 doing deals with some of the largest companies in the world, not necessarily mom and pop small businesses, like and 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 Joe, you're like I talked to so many other you know, brands and corporations that they, they do little programs or campaigns to help small businesses. Um, it turns out to be nothing more than sort of a marketing thing and they don't last very long. This is 13 years you guys have been doing this, you know, like tens of thousands of businesses through here. Why? Like, why is this just a philanthropic 
you know, exercise for Goldman Sachs or is there, is there another reason why the company is so committed to this program? Well, I, I think, you know, when, when the firm and this is, you know, this predates me, um, mm-hmm. but when the firm was thinking about, you know, a way to give back to the community, way to engage in the community, I think they realized that small businesses are just, you know, are often, in, in fact, in most communities, I mean, I'm from Omaha, Nebraska, and, you know, Omaha is, a, is much like a lot of Midwestern communities, you know, small businesses are kind of the core. And to that regard, right there, the, they are not only serving the community from a commercial perspective, but they're also sponsoring the Little League team and are, you know, giving the teenagers in the community a, a chance at their first job. And so they just, they give back so much more than just the commercial aspect of, of what they're selling. Right. And, and so I think we realized that in order to really make a material difference um, to the economy, this was this was a really thoughtful and um, and comprehensive way to do so. Yeah, what what differentiates our program from a lot of the others, right, is that it is like a tangible resource, and that you're getting a core curriculum, but then you're also part of what is a pretty powerful alumni community. Right. Um, we've done a couple of of big kind of national summits. We did one in 2018, one last summer, where you know in both instances we had over 2,000 you know small business owners from just about all 50 states come to DC um, and just sort of that organic nature of the community and the networking component that comes with that is also incredibly powerful. I think, you know, roughly about 86% of the businesses that go through the program end up doing business with at least one other graduate of the program. Uh, And so just that, that, that sense of community um, and then the alumni engagement component is also, I think something that makes it, you know, a little bit more unique and, and different than others. And I want to point out as well that um, whereas a lot of companies, they do things for startups and freelancers and entrepreneurs, which is great and all that. This is a program that's really kind of directed at, you know, more established businesses. I mean, you, you, when I mean more established, I mean, they might've been around for a little bit. In fact, that might even be a criteria to get into the program, right? I mean, you're correct. Your goal is to help them grow, not to start yes. up from scratch, right? Correct. Yeah, we're yeah, it, it's exactly right. In terms of the application, you have to be an existing small business, been in business for a couple of years, have more than one employee, um, and you know, meet certain you know revenue and and other types of benchmarks. And it's a it's a comprehensive application process. There's kind of three stages to the interview process to get into class, and so it's something that we take seriously but also our academic partner Babson College takes very seriously and i think that's you know it's also what's made the program special we're also very proud we have a very high graduation rate 98% of businesses that that enter the program graduate um, and so we also want to get a sense for how committed the business owners are because it is a big time yeah. you know it's a big time commitment and we realize you know business owners have their business they have families they've got kids they've got a lot of things tugging at their time uh, and this is this is a real commitment. So that's part of um, that's part of the application process is just making sure that this is a good fit for them at this point in their lives. And maybe it's not now. Maybe it's three months from now, when sure. you know when their wedding is passed or they have some big life event that's that's complicating things. Yeah, and I gotta imagine. I mean, you'll have challenges. I'm sure. I mean, you said you've expanded to rural areas. They're going to continue to do that. I mean, 
Uh, those guys are busy, man, during the day, you know, I mean, yeah. they're, you know, it's they're you know, rural and ag businesses, um, businesses in rural parts of the country, you know, coming from Omaha and, you know, the outskirts, you know, once you get yeah. in 15 miles outside of the city, it's, um, you know, it's a challenge and a struggle and to pull yourself away to go to these classes and commit to this and prepare and, you know, attend the events and all that. Um, it's a big commitment that, that people have to sign up for. No doubt. Yeah. It's, um, it is a huge commitment, but I think most of them, almost all of them would say, gosh, it was well worth it. And, and they get, you know, it's just getting to know other businesses. I think what we have found, right, is that most of these businesses, when it comes to talking about, you know, some of the difficult challenges they face in the business, don't feel like they can talk that with their, with their fellow, you know, colleagues at work or their families, even in some instances. And so just having this, um, this community in this group in their class that they feel like they can talk about some of the more, you know, challenging things, the more uncomfortable things that they may not otherwise be be comfortable talking with others about is um, it's, you know, it can be a little, it can become sort of a, a therapeutic session in some respects. Yeah. It's listen, uh, it's more power to you. I think it's great. It, it is, it is really great. And again, it's, it's a, a 13 years in and and I'm sure many more years to go. So um, it's just an, it, it's just an impressive program. Um, all right. So as part of what you do and as part of what the 10,000 small business, you know, you know, is about um, you guys do studies and research and surveys in the small business community. Um, and an important one just came out, you know, the end of October, um, we surveyed, I think, more than 1,200 uh, small businesses and asked them about, um, you know, the credit environment. And I was wondering if you can talk a little bit about, you know, the findings of that survey. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we 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 surveyed, um, I think, October 9th through 12th, um, kind of the front half of October and just released it in late October. And, you know, what we found and we really kind of tried to dive deep into the into the capital space, just given that that is um, particularly in this environment with interest rates and, and banks in the aftermath of you know, what occurred in the spring with SVB and Signature Bank um, have have definitely tightened a little bit. We wanted to get kind of a, a real-time assessment of the capital environment. So, you know, what we asked a variety of different questions. I'll just kind of give a, a top-line overview. So, only 29% of small businesses say they can currently afford to take out a loan, just given the, the, the interest rates and, and what they're experiencing. And if from their perspective, if access to capital, you know, continues to tighten, 85% say it's going to impact their growth forecast. In terms of what that can mean, two-thirds say they would halt expansion plans. 42% say they may have to lay off employees or stop hiring. 21% say they may have to close their business. What's kind of, I think, noteworthy just to paint the picture of how tough it is right now, we asked the small business owners, you know, thinking back to the last four years, 2020, 2021, 2022, and of course, this year, 2023, which has been the most difficult for your business. And about a third, 31% say this year, 37% said 2020, which of course was the, the height of the pandemic. Um, we also asked, just sort of diving deep into kind of the fundamentals, 33% have applied for a loan or line of credit within the last year. Hmm. And we then asked, okay, well, did you get full funding, partial funding, no funding? 41% of those that applied got 
full funding. Right. But if you look a layer deeper and look at black business owners, for example, black business owners applied at a much higher rate. 43% sought capital in the last year and only 26% of them uh, received full funding, right? So there's a real disparity um, that we're seeing just in terms of the of the capital space. We also asked a question, which we have not asked before, which was, where did you seek capital from? Um, and they could have selected multiple, right? Because some of them are applying from, from a variety of different sources. But 56% said small regional banks, 43% large or national banks. Think of City, Bank of America, et cetera. 27% said online lender. 17% said a finance company. 15% credit union and 13% CDFI. Um, the other thing we asked is, do you have an existing loan? Um, about two-thirds of businesses have an outstanding loan or line of credit. Uh, 35% of those loans are variable interest rates. Uh, and about just over 60% are, are fixed. So that was kind of the, I would say, the, the capital lens right now in terms of um, how small business owners are feeling. So I, just to back up the data that you had, so I wrote a piece in The Hill. It was the end of August, so it was a couple months ago. Um, but if you go onto the, um, the the St. Louis Federal Reserve site, which is an, it's called FRED, uh, it has uh, you know like this unlimited amount of statistical data that you can that you can query on yourself, build your own graphs and charts. Just to just to complement what what you have said. Now this is through the end of August, and your survey happened in October. Um, but I found in you know in one chart that according to the Federal Reserve, you know there, forty nine percent of banks um, were saying that they have tightened their lending to small businesses. Forty nine percent compared to twenty two percent just a year ago. I'm looking at the article that I wrote right now. Banks are also um, they, they they have tightened down credit card loans as well, and we know that credit card financing is you know a very popular way to to manage your cash you know in, in a business, and then. Finally, you know, total the commercial and industrial loans, Joe, they've been trending down like over mm-hmm. the past six months. And that's not just small businesses, but that's also, you know, big businesses as well. Sure. All of this is the impact of, you know, of increased interest rates. And um, I, to me, like, you know, we live in a capitalist economy. And, and when I see that capital is, uh, there, there's a less of a demand for capital, uh, it concerns me about the future. You know, and whether or not that means potential recession or or anything like that. What what, what are your thoughts on on all of that data as well? Well, I think you're absolutely right. Um, <clears throat> whether it's you know the St. Louis Fed's data or other kind of independent data, I think it's all kind of painting the same picture. And I would say, you know, you know, one thing in particular, we're you know, we just launched an advocacy campaign around this issue, and it's it's um, it's a bit in the weeds, but I think um, you know, for the small business community, it could be quite impactful. So. By way of background, the Basel, B-A-S-E-L, not Basel, um, mm-hmm. committee, which is the international sort of capital standard committee, you know, and this is sort of the final layer of um, it's called the Basel three endgame. Right. But they proposed raising capital standards for for banks. Right. Um, and then the Federal Reserve in late July kind of stamped their appro- pr- proposal and even kind of, you know, intensified it, gold plated it, if you will. And so this, what this would mean is for the top 27 U.S. banks, they would be required to carry roughly an additional 20% of capital. Right. So one of our banking peers, um, their CEO said the easy way to think about this is for every 1% in capital extra we have to hold, that's $150 million in capital that's not going to go out the door. 
Right. So you times that by 20, that's 3 billion just from one institution that's, right. you know, going to be kind of locked down. Right. So we're, you know, we're very worried about in, in a time where, you know, credit is tight, that then layering on these new, um, you know, capital requirements on banks is going to have, you know, a real negative impact on on lending to the small business community. Um, and so this is, um, we just launched a campaign last week, uh, which is branded Tell the Fed to Stop the Squeeze on Small Businesses, um, that, it's, that it's including digital ads, advertisements. Um, and then we're also, you know, going to submit a formal letter comment letter to the to the Federal Reserve from our small business community. But it's um it's one of those issues which, you know, we always, you know, people always say, right, there's a lot of things that happen in DC that that a lot, you know, the average person has no idea is going to have an impact on them or their business is going to have. Yep. And this is one of those kind of somewhat antiquated issues, right, that um, that is for sure difficult to understand and digest, but is going to have sort of real, real life implications, not only small businesses, but also consumers. If you're trying to get a mortgage or if you're trying to take out, you know, just a personal loan, there's going to be real consequences to this. You know, it's funny, you know, I listen, I, I, I always like to look at both sides of an issue and I, and I kind of get it. I mean, it's, you know, the 2008 to 2010 banking crisis still, it's still relatively fresh. I know, I know that was like 13 years ago, but you know, it's you know, for a lot of people, it's, it, 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 there's a lot of memories of it. So I get it that the government you know, wants to say, listen, we need to make sure there is enough reserves out there. We don't want that happening again. We want to make sure there's stability, but there is a, a balance, you know, and, and what you're exactly right. These requirements uh, would make banks hold way more money in capital. And the first people that are, that are going to suffer will be smaller companies, um, particularly those with less of a credit history or uh, can't afford. The other thing that I'm seeing, you know, and I don't know if you're seeing the same thing is among my clients, uh, you know, because interest rates are as high as they are right now, I mean, they're, they're, they're eight and a half percent is, is the prime rate on average. Most of my clients are not paying, you know, one, two, three points above that, you know, depending on their, their credit situation. So, you know, you know, a lot of banks are, are revisiting the financings that are being asked for that they're doing with, with some of my clients and now saying like, you know, do these guys have the ability to pay, you know, pay this stuff back, you know, because interest rates have gone up like three times what it was yeah. like a year and a half ago and they're pulled back credit, sure. you know, and I don't know if you're seeing the same thing. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, yeah, to be honest, I mean, some of the our small businesses that I would say are are on the high end of successful mm. uh, and growing, and even so, and I'm just like taken aback. They they are struggling mightily to mm. to access credit, and where they are able, it's you know with an interest rate that is. It just doesn't even make sense for them, right? Yeah. Uh, it's a hundred percent prohibitive. So, um, yeah, I think that's you know what, what the picture you painted is absolutely accurate. So, what do we do? I mean, you know, you know, as business owners, um, I you know I was just talking to somebody this morning about this very issue, and um, I was trying to remember back when I was a kid. I don't know how old you are, but like when I was a kid, it was like in the late seventies and eighties. I was still like in high school, but I I, I kind of remember when interest rates were like. 80% or something, you know, I mean, more than twice what they are today. Um, and, you know, my, my recollection is, and, and this is all anecdotal, is that because my client, was, my, my father was a CPA, so we had his clients, you know, they, they, the businesses, they, they hobbled along, they, you know, they, they still moved, they, they just didn't grow. I mean, they just weathered the storm as it was for a number of years until interest rates came back down to normal. And do you, do you think that's what we're looking at now with a lot of your, you know, your participants in the 10,000 small business program, like because, you know, rates are as high as they are and, and credit is being restricted as it is that 
We're looking at a, a couple of years of businesses, frankly, weathering the storm as opposed to growing for the most part. Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. I don't pretend to be an economist by any means. I mean, we obviously had we had really good GDP numbers right yeah. um, last week that came out. You know, I think there's kind of mixed views on. You know, I think the consensus is that the Fed stays high longer, meaning, but they don't probably hike, but they just you know interest rates stay where they are for for a little bit longer than maybe. Um, than folks had hoped for or anticipated. But I don't, to your point, right, I don't think things are necessarily going to, um, from an interest rate perspective, improve in the near term. Um, and so for, yeah, for a lot of businesses, I think they've just got to, you know, try try their best um, to kind of weather the current environment and just have to prepare for the fact that things may not get better. Hopefully they don't get worse, right. but we may just be kind of in this, um, in a similar period where we are today, you know, a year from now. Um, but you know, it's, um, a, a lot can happen between now and, and next November. That's for yeah, sure. That is true. And you know, this doesn't, it, it doesn't preclude people from making investments. I mean, you know, no. right. I mean, it, return on investment is still return on investment if you can prove it. Right. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's just for the businesses. I think it's just, um, you know, and it's, we've, you know, time flies, right. We all forget, but I mean, just the fact that they've had to weather a, you know, kind of a once in a lifetime pandemic, then, you know, inflationary pressures on like, you know, anyone has really seen in their lifetime and now the interest rate climate the way it is. So it's just it's a lot right um, when you sort of just take the cumulative impact of everything that's happened. But that said, right, if you're still around today and still um, and still doing pretty well, it's pretty remarkable. Right. I mean, yeah. the the level of um, the level of stamina some of these these businesses have is nothing short of remarkable. Right. I mean, they're just incredibly resilient. Um, they really are. And they keep coming. And so that's, back. yeah. And that's what makes them special. Um, we've seen a lot of big businesses fall during this time too, but a lot of small businesses, just given their ingenuity and grit, they, uh, they find a way. So you're a corporate guy. You've been with Goldman Sachs how many years now? Uh, almost 14. Wow. A long time. Yeah. That's like a, that's like a lifetime. Nobody is at a job for 14 years. Was that, and where were you before Goldman Sachs, if I can ask? So, uh, yeah, of course, I worked at a trade association um, representing independent insurance agents for about a year. So that's basically the non-all-state, non-state farm kind of insurance agent world. And then before that, I worked in politics for quite some time. So I was um, I was at the White House, worked on presidential campaign, Capitol Hill. So I sort of did a brief tour in my younger years. So you've seen it a lot and you've been, you know, you've seen both sides. You've, you've been involved with small organizations, you've been involved in government, you've been involved now in, you know, in large corporations. Um, I, I, yeah, I got to ask, like, you know, with your involvement with the 10,000 small businesses, any types of businesses or any type of industry, like really like strike your fancy, like not that you're not going to spend the rest of your years with Goldman Sachs, but you know, if, if next week you decided to turn in your notice or whatever, and you were going to be your own entrepreneur, I'm kind of curious out of all the different people that you're talking to and all the participants in your program, I'm kind of curious if you, you know, you're driving home and I'd say, you know, that, that's a pretty good business to be in or that. that yeah. It's probably not the best business to be in, but they seem the most happy. I would say the, the, the business owners that have bakeries, restaurants, they just seem to thrive off of like the human element. Yeah. And just serving and seeing the smile on their customers' faces like every day and having that routine clientele. Again, those are very tough businesses to run, right? We all know that like getting into those oh, businesses yeah. is uh is incredibly difficult. But um they seem to be the most happy and the most um 
just like, you know, rewarded on a right. sort of on a routine basis. So despite the fact it's very difficult, I think that's that's um, if I were to, you know, quit Goldman Sachs tomorrow, um, I would love to uh, I'd love to start. A, I don't know what type of a restaurant or bakery, but um, but something along those lines, probably. I, I think you would. I Listen, I mean, I don't know you that well. I mean, it's it's one thing to like serve the customer and get joy and passion out of that. And I totally get that. Uh, but at some point you got to make money, right? <laughs> and, you know, True. And then like, if you own like one bakery, um, you know, you're it's tough. Not, Maybe not in retirement, that's what I'll do for fun. Yeah. It would be a retirement project that you would do that hopefully break even and, you know, keep yourself out there in your old age. You know? Yeah. Um, well, Joe, before me. I let you go, any final thoughts on, um, you know, on the economy and the environment that small businesses are dealing with right now um, that you think uh, that we, that we didn't discuss? No, the other, the only, I think the other, you know, kind of noteworthy data point from our survey was that we, you know, we always ask, are you currently hiring full-time or part-time employees? And that number for the first time really took a, a tick down. So it's only half 50% on the dot. Um, say they are currently hiring full-time, part-time employees. That was down from it, when we surveyed in April, it was 59. When we surveyed in February, it was 59. So that's a noteworthy decline. But at the same time, when we asked that follow-up question, are you, you know, are you finding it difficult to recruit full-time, part-time, you know, folks for your open positions? The number's the same. So it's like 78%, uh, 79% very consistently say it's really tough to find. Uh, despite the fact that the job market is is definitely softening a bit, it's still really tough to find qualified candidates. Mm-hmm. So I think that's that's another um, you know real conundrum that whether you're talking to a business in the Midwest, the Southeast, the West, it's it's the same, um, and it's just incredibly difficult. And so I think you know one of the one of the natural um, in addition to wage businesses, I think you know, are really having a tough time competing on benefits, right? So when they're competing, it's typically not them versus the small business down the street. It's them versus an Amazon, Ooh. a Walmart, a yeah. Google, a big, yeah. big company that obviously has very generous benefits. And the the benefit split, I think, is one that's, um, it's just very, very tough for small businesses to compete. And so, you know, I think that's an area just from a policymaking perspective that there's a lot of room to to grow. Uh, and then the, the final area I would say we've been very focused on is the Small Business Administration has not been reauthorized by Congress since 2000, right? So it's now been you know um, a little over 23 years since yeah. that agency's been sort of fully looked at by Congress, and so that's that's kind of our big legislative push this year and into next year is to um, is to have Congress do that for the first time in you know well over two decades, and we're starting to make some we've seen some real progress on the Senate side, which is great, um, but there's still a ways to go. But we're hopeful that that can get done, you know, in the next. Uh, you know, 13 months or so before the before the end of next year. I'm a fan of the SBA, but uh, it does. Th- there is a lot of room for improvement, and sometimes I feel like they get um, misdirected in some of their activities that could be better used to serve small businesses. So I'm glad to see that push. I think that's really important. Yeah, and it's nothing. It has nothing to do. It's not that by no means is it their fault. It's you know, no. it's just it's Congress's duty, and they've just you know neglected it. Um, it needs to be so, done. It definitely it needs, needs to, be, to done. be done. And, you know, it's interesting. Another point on your employment. Um, no, I, I know it's the same thing with my clients as well. I mean, I know, you know, the government reported last month, there's still like a record number of job openings that are out there. Uh, you know, I don't know if you see the same, but I, I see in my clients that, you know, they have openings, but it's not as if they're vigorously going after those jobs. You know, like we could really use an extra customer service person here, but 
you know, until until we find that right person, it's not like we're, you know, we're in dire Desperate. need. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's right. So I'm seeing a lot of that. And um, listen, I, you know, my, my best clients, uh, you know, when they compete with larger companies, I mean, everybody's got a little bit of entrepreneurial in them and working for a small business, it, it does give you that little sort of entrepreneurial spirit. And the clients I know that have done really well, they offer profit sharing plans, they offer more flexibility, they, you know, it's a way to liaise with the owner of the business to give advice sure. and help them run. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, sort of intangible benefits to working for a smaller company um, that I've seen some of my smarter clients have leveraged and and that's helped them to compete against larger companies. So yeah, that's, that's absolutely right. That's, that's, uh, that's a great point to make. Joe Wall is the managing director of government affairs at Goldman Sachs. And Joe, are you, are, you're, you're like the person in charge of the 10,000 small business program, right? Yeah. So I run the advocacy component, which is called 10,000 small businesses voices. And then a, a colleague of mine runs the the programmatic side of it and works you know very closely with the community colleges and, uh, and all that goes into that, which is a lot. Um, and so, yeah, we, we've, we've had a lot of continuity, which is great. Um, and, and have a great team, uh, running it. Good. Well, yeah. it's a great program and I want to wish you the best success with thank it. You. I, I hope you stick with it for a while. You guys are doing really definitely. Good work. So thank you. And thank you. for Thank joining. you, Gene. Take care. Do you have a topic or a guest that you would like to hear on thrive? Please let us know. Visit payx.me forward slash thrive topics and send us your ideas or matters of interest. Also, if your business is looking to simplify your HR, payroll, benefits, or insurance services, see how Paychex can help. Visit the resource hub at paychex.com forward slash works. That's W-O-R-X. Paychex can help manage those complexities while you focus on all the ways you want your business to thrive. I'm your host, Gene Marks, and thanks for joining us. Till next time, take care. This podcast is property of Paychecks Incorporated 2023, all rights reserved.